0: Welcome to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a podcast platform to share interesting conversations from the most successful leaders within the Stockholm tech community. My name is Sophie Gould and I'm your host for today. welcome to another installment of the evolution exchange tech diversity podcast today i'm joined by a great panel to discuss the balance between skills and diversity when hiring now as a recruiter this is a topic that i know a lot of people face when it comes to growing their own team or increasing the headcount for their company um so it's definitely going to be a good conversation to have So, before we delve even deeper into this topic, I want to introduce you to my panel and start with some introductions. So, for the introductions, I'd like to know who you are, what you do and also what you're passionate about and Johan will come to you first.
1: Hi Sophie, thanks for having me on the podcast, very excited to to do it, it's my first one so a little bit nervous but uh, I think it's gonna go well. I am uh, the head of talent acquisition at Simpler which is a fintech company, not super well known but we're obviously hoping to get more well known across the globe as we go. When it comes to passion, uh, I have a very good job for it because I love people I'm all about the people. Uh, it's all about talking to people and hearing, hearing the stories. Uh, outside of the people, I like American football. So I'm gutted that Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where I used to live, are out of the NFL playoffs.
0: Oh, nice. Get <laughs> no, that's a good one. That's an interesting one. I like, um, I like the, the football topic. Perfect. And patience will come to you.
2: Sure, hi, Um, I'm Patience, Allen. I'm uh, just wrapping up being a manager in the IT division at Telia, which is a large uh, Nordic Baltic Telecom. And um, so I'm moving on to new pastures. What that will be will be determined, dot, dot, dot. So (laughs) uh, maybe a new job or maybe a consulting gig, we'll see. So, but what I'm passionate about is really people. Uh, They're complex, they're fascinating, they're challenging. You know, a task is one thing, a process is one thing, but people are ever-changing. So I find them fascinating and I love trying to make sure that there's good fits and and how people can work together and uh, that's why you know I love these diversity podcasts because uh diversity just it's a way of seeing the breadth and and range of people out there and different types and different perspectives
0: nice thank you yeah good I think um a lot of a lot of the time when I, I get people on for podcast panelists, um, we always see a lot of shared kind of interests and passions and I know people and, and helping people as well, which I think we're all in turn doing by just having these discussions. So yeah, love it. Um, and finally, Jao, we'll come to you.
3: Thank you. Uh, thank you for receiving me. This is also my first podcast. <laughs> so I think I'm uh, a little nervous, but very excited for the experience. Currently, I'm an engineer manager at Klarna. I joined uh, in June uh, last year and I was living in Brazil, so I relocated to Sweden as well. For me, it has been a very interesting experience so far. In terms of what I'm passionate about, I'm passionate about connecting with people. I I would like to learn about like different experience perspectives as well. I think every time that I, I meet people, different backgrounds and kind of it's a way for me to learn and and to improve on how i see the world and how i can perceive things so for me that's very exciting and also part of why i'm here today
0: oh no love that yeah that's that is amazing i think we can all agree kind of understanding people such an opportunity to learn um and yeah moving from brazil to to sweden how was that in terms of the weather shock
3: (laughs) Yeah, definitely a shock. Like when I'm speaking with fr- family and friends and I say, yeah, it's the weather is fine today. It's like just minus one. And then <laughs> they are like, what? <laughs> when does minus one is a fine weather? And like, yeah, you, you, uh, the kind of stuff you get used to. Uh, I saw snow for the first time uh, during this winter as well. So a lot of nice experiences and, and changes. So that's oh. cool.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing. I always think, I think the, the coldness is is definitely when I hear people in Stockholm talk about it, really cold. But then the darkness, like the prolonged period of darkness across the Nordics. Um, yeah, I think it would be a shock to anyone who's, who's not originally from there. So, yeah, you've done well. <laughs> so. Perfect. so thank you all. Um, I think that's brilliant. Now we've got a bit of a context to each other um, and kind of introductions to who we are. Let's move on to to the topic in focus. Um, Like we've all said, all got an interest in diversity and people. And I know we've got a number of questions and subtopics to really dig a little bit deeper into when it comes to this topic. Um, So what we'll do, I'll work around the room and just ask each of you to recap your question or your subtop- topic, and um, give us a little bit of an overview about what your thoughts are on that and then open up the question to the whole panel so we'll go first patients will come to you with your topic of diversity as a skill it's not kind of an either or tell us more about that well
2: uh, one of the things that i often hear from my Colleagues, other managers uh, in uh, and I've heard it in many different companies. It's not unique to uh, where I am now. They sort of say, well, you know, I'm looking for these skill sets and I have to hire for the skill set. I can't hire for diversity. I can't take that into account. And I think. That's sort of a. A two black and white type of an approach because when you're hiring people you're also hiring for the softer skills not just does this person know java has you know has this person uh, architecture background or whatever hard skills that you're looking for and the softer things you're also looking for are things like is there a cultural fit you know is this person really proactive or are they pretty laid back you know like sort of what is their personality type as well I think that's where diversity comes in um, it's sort of the bridge between the hard and the soft skills um, because diversity enables somebody whatever, whatever type of diversity they have whether they're in a wheelchair or they're from Brazil or in my case the U.S. or um, they're you know from a different religion than the majority of people in your company or They have a different age um they're coming with a different perspective because of that and because of their different experiences that they've had throughout their life and they're going to help you understand your product better in a larger uh view because customers who are using your products and services are diverse they are far more diverse than any team you could possibly create in a company And you want to understand that because if you don't, you're going to get huge newspaper articles all about your errors like they have with, you know, a lot of this AI stuff where they've had huge reports where, you know, self-driving cars have hit more black people than white people. And why is that? Well, it was developed by a team of white people, you know, and they didn't think about, you know, a different perspective on it and how they could build it better. And, you know, crash test dummies in cars are made based on the average height and weight of a man, not of a woman, because the people doing the engineering were men. And those are really major things that can impact people's lives and kill people. So they're fairly extreme examples. But if you had a team that was a bit more diverse, you probably wouldn't have had those mistakes. You could have avoided them in the first place because you know a woman would have said hey that average height and weight is way over what all of us have you know like and so you could have caught that and saved the company a lot of reputation damage a lot of costs you could have made the users happier hit a larger pool of customers that would have been uh, better targeted that you would have met their needs better so i think diversity Well, it's not something where you can just, you know, do a little check mark and say, check has Java 11 or whatever. You you can think about it in that way of, does this person give us a different insight into our customer base or our client base or who we're talking to? Are they going to be able to bring a different perspective that helps us build a better product and avoid bugs and errors? And I think um, it's really important because there's also the other aspect that when you're hiring, people always think about culture fit. Like, will this person get along with everybody? And you've got to be really wary of that because sometimes what that translates to is is this person exactly like all the rest of us? Are they homogeneous like us? You know, and so you've got to try to challenge yourself to can I hire somebody else who's going to question what I say, who's going to challenge what I say, well, you know, obviously in a professional manner, like you don't want somebody who's going to, you know, cause huge fights, but sometimes those disagreements lead to much better products and much better services and much more uh, growth in your team and, and wisdom and, uh, greater inventions better inventions um so I would I would challenge the fact that people say diversity isn't really something that's a skill that you should look at when you're hiring I think it is Um, so that's sort of my little soapbox stand on that one Um, I'm sure there's people who disagree with me and uh, you guys probably have some opinions on it I would love to hear them
3: um so yeah read i would say that uh it's very it's very connected to what i i brought today i think it's you it, it touch on some important points uh for me uh in terms of how how diverse what type of value does uh having a diverse team can bring to your company and we have research around even profitability like the Companies that have a more diverse executive team, they have uh, better numbers than other companies, for instance. And, and so it's, I think we are at a point, at least uh, by, by research, that w- we understand that it is better in a lot of ways. And this is part of uh, why I think this conversation is nice that we b- basically, what I think we are doing. He's trying to break into some people that are not connected with this discussion, are not aware of uh, all of this, and so how can they can interact better and and actually do uh, yeah interact with diversity? As sometimes it's I understand it's hard. So uh, coming from someone that had have all a lot of privileges, uh, I can say it's it took me a while. (laughs) And I'm still in the process of learning and discovering things to kind of start to see other things and be open to some conversations and some biases on myself. So I think this is a a really uh, important topic. And I think coming uh, from my experience as a manager, even diversity that are not... um, more like explicit uh as uh, the examples you brought but even in terms of personalities you have people that are more outspoken and some people that are less outspoken and all those type of personalities help create a balance in the teams and i think that is uh you you can see the difference in the teams when they have. I was just gonna add to that i think just
1: it's interesting to have the conversation because it just keeps going into to different directions and uh, i mean think thinking about uh, diversity versus skills you can you can really question the question because everybody are diverse everybody has skills so it's not really it's more it's not either or it's more a balance of different skills and different types of diversity because it could be it's not like like we said it's not just nationality it's not just about gender it's not just about age it's about upbringing uh, for for one or it could be skills like you said personality could could be another one so there's so many different levels of of the two uh, of the two and you need to bring which i think we agree we'll see but i think we agree that we need to create a good mix of, of both of those and all kinds of skills and all kinds of diversity
2: Yeah, I I totally agree with that, and I think the. um, The thing that often. uh, People don't really think about when they have the verses in there is. That they're sort of thinking of diversity or people with diverse profiles as being other. As being uh, not like them, but once you actually have a diverse team, or you begin to define diversity differently, like you were starting to, where you say, it's kind of a continuum where you start with different personalities, and then you get on to, you know, different physical abilities or ages, or all these other categories that are normally associated with diversity. You start to help people understand that it's not an us versus them. It's it's just a, a variety uh, perspective and you know i'm i'm kind of i know i have a bias towards diversity which is a bias definitely but it's coming from my american culture where we like variety like you you will not go into any american home and just see one box of cereal you will see three or four different boxes because even though we're eating cereal every day we like you know some days we might want it this way and other days we want it this way and we we just like to mix it up that's a, a general trend or culture in in the us if you could have a homogeneous culture there um and so you know me moving to norway which is a country that had its first immigrants move here in the 1960s you know this is a country that is very very homogeneous because they simply haven't had immigration they haven't had people coming in And everybody sort of raised the exact same way, born in the exact same family, speaking the exact same language. And it's created a very peaceful and harmonious society because of that, because everybody sort of agrees very easily. Um, But I think think it can be scary Uh, on the flip side to start uh, opening the door and letting in people who are different from you, who have different opinions or personalities or... Um, backgrounds because you don't really understand them sometimes and that is scary and especially in politically correct times where you try not to offend people and uh, if you're in a nordic-based society where you're conflict averse on top of that you know it it gets very challenging very quickly um and so i i I like your point of bringing in personality there to sort of soften uh, the concept of what diversity is and make it easier for people to feel like they're starting down that pathway and and they're doing something good towards diversity but maybe at a more user-friendly pace
1: i think that's true and just to, just to add to that i think that if you look at the the n- New kind of companies, the modern kind of companies actually doing a lot to uh, make that barrier a lot less. Because if you look at traditional, especially I would say in in, in the Scandinavias where, where people used to hire people who were from the same country, that's not true anymore. Because if you look at all the success stories that's coming out of, out of Scandinavia, one of the big reasons why they are successful is because they're hiring uh, with all kinds of diversity and all kinds of skills. And that's what brings to success, which is super interesting. So I think that's going to be a trend uh, catching on uh, with the more traditional companies as well going forward.
2: Yeah, I hope so. I think that's, it's obviously great, but it's, it's hard to measure a traditional big government agency, for example, against a nimble little startup that's becoming a unicorn like it's often they're like oh it's not like me but we have different issues and um but I agree with you that that is the way to path to success definitely
0: yeah I think I just wanted to chip in on something and it reminded me um Sometimes, obviously, in my position as recruiter, helping tech companies find freelancers, sometimes I'll get the kind of idea of, oh, well, we don't want to have too many conflicts on the team or we can't disrupt the team. Um, and it's something you said, Patience, and I, I love it, is that disagreement can lead to good things. Um, but I wanted to kind of play devil's advocate and say, what if the team is too diverse and it's leading to too many conflicts? It's taking up too much time. It's causing too many problems. How would people balance that if, if there is a way and if there is any advice from from the three of you to kind of counteract what other people might think in terms of no, too much diversity can be an issue.
3: Uh, I think, I think uh, a way. I think there are several ways actually uh so in terms of uh tools that you can get uh to build uh, trust in your team to make sure people uh are working together so so yeah i would first the i think the most important thing you, i would say is to build the trust inside the team and also making sure that that trust is not relying on behavior so uh you should only trust a, specific behavior and then you have very different ways uh that can depending on your team uh that you can do to build trust there's some dynamics there yeah i think if you should read uh five distinctions of a team it's a book that talk about uh building trust and that can be uh a good for any type of team and i think for a diverse team as well uh the other thing that I would suggest is clarifying uh, uh, decision-making process and and roles uh, and expectations in the team. So if your team uh, have a clear way to make decisions without needing everybody to be 100% agreeing, uh, then you create mechanisms so you can move forward. People are committed to moving forward because you have some agreements in place. Because if you have like a big team, I don't know, doesn't need to be that big, but 10 people with different opinions and you want to have everybody agreeing all the time, then you you want a utopia, <laughs> uh, to be honest. Uh, so I think there, there are some tools in getting things out of uh, kind of human perception. So if you make agreements, you clarify expectations, you clarify how we can make decisions, and in a human level, you work on the trust and getting people closer. Uh, so finding ways they can connect and etc. Then I think it's you have a better success chance moving forward. Uh, so those would would be my suggestions.
0: Nice, I love them.
3: And I think I mean uh, you can get
1: disagreements in teams that are exactly the same as well. So I would one one good thing that you could do is have a very good uh, personal knowledge, like a recruiter and the hiring manager and the people who are involved in the recruitment process. It's almost like a, a talent, I guess, or like a, like a skill that you know that these people are going to work well together. There's going to be disagreement and you're not going to see eye to eye every single time, but creating a team which works well together most of the time is, is the skill of the Uh, talent acquisition team and the hiring managers.
2: Yeah, and I think it's there's a certain aspect that the manager has to play in teams that have conflict, which is, you know, defusing the conflict, making, you know, helping the team understand that conflict isn't always a negative thing, and bringing it down a level you know making the emotions come out depersonalizing it so that whatever the conflict is it's a you know fact-based or subject-based or work-based it's not about the person who's communicating the issue it's about the issue itself separate from the individual the person who or the two people who are having the conflict are not the reason why the conflict is happening because they may agree on other things, right? It's it's not something that defines who they are. It is, and so if you can sort of bring that conflict out, remove the blame on any different individual and just try to talk about it in a more objective manner, often you'll be able to sort of take in and if you think about it as a 3D thing, sort of flip it over and see a different side of it as an objective part and help people understand that you know there are multiple ways to solve things but right now maybe we're going to choose this way because of xyz but that doesn't mean that the other way is wrong it just means we need to make a decision at some point so that we can keep moving forward and it's not a right or wrong issue it's not a you are or he is or she is issue It's just this is a task we need to do and we have different opinions on it and that's awesome.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's great advice from all three of you. I think, um, the the kind of combination of it all would be perfect wouldn't it in terms of building a a team of the future um okay perfect no i love that um that topic and i know yours joe was tackling the myth that hiring diversity you're lowering the bar um similar to what we touched on but then also how to deal with unbalanced markets um so yeah tell us more about the reason why you chose to discuss these and and what you're thinking on there
3: Okay, so I chose uh, to discuss those because I think those are the two main answers that I get from hiring managers that are not hiring uh, focusing on diversity, so they're, that they will be lowering their bar if they do so, or that oh, the market is just too unbalanced, so it's like we cannot do anything about it, uh, it's about the market. And, and then for me talking about this is a way to get better arguments, <laughs> actually, to have these discussions and to make sure we can actually get these people on board into investing into hire more for diversity. And so in terms of myths of lowering the bar, I think there's some when you say that if you are hiring, if you for instance, decide to not hire uh I don't know. Choose a profile diversity that you want to to improve in terms of representation in your teams, and then you choose to hire specifically with a targeting mind. That by doing that, you are lowering the bar. If you if you believe that it assumes that the persons, the, the people that are part of the underrepresented group, are will perform worse. So they they are worse than the people already in your team. There's this idea that if those other profiles were as good as the people that we already have, they would be already here. Like we wouldn't need to do some type of uh, special uh, hiring process uh, for them. And, and in a way, you are just those are mechanisms to just throw the kind of responsibility around it on the person that is outside uh, again. So I don't need to do anything because yeah, uh, it's just the way it is. And and also at some uh, sometimes you get also the sound of being some charity work like oh you're doing this to help people that really, it's which isn't the case. You're talking about the the benefits of uh, that have uh, in your company the impact that have in your company. It's really should be on your interest to be doing this, um, and. Yeah, and like one of the things is usually when you're talking about hiring uh, a target profile, in at least in the conversations that I, that I was part of, we're never talking about like changing the kind of requirements or seniority. Uh, specifically, we want to have the same seniority that we were hiring already. We're just wanting to make sure that we are also getting uh, uh, different points of view inside the company as well. And in terms of unbalanced markets, uh, that is another way to to kind of dodge uh, the investments in in hiring for diversity. To be honest, most of the time that I hear uh, this, the teams or the companies don't even match the market in terms of percentage. (laughs) So it's like, uh, if it was, really a reflection of the market, that would be uh, a better step than I see, at least for engineering. That's uh, the the part that I I look at in my work. And but even besides that, what what I noted for me like to to talk about is a little more on the well, what you can do. Uh, So we were talking before about the biases in interviews and there are different ways you're just writing your open positions, the way you write or the way you, you share it with the world that can be received in different ways by different people uh, and that can make it harder for some people to apply or not. Uh, the way you're doing the, the process, the interview process, we talk about like who fit and what does it mean and if that is something just, I don't know, intuitive, people you just know when they're interviewing, the chances for you to have all those bias with you is huge. And then you're not hiring, uh, it will be harder for those people to get in. And so uh, ways that I think uh, really that could bring results and help you is, first off is getting in contact with affinity groups in the market. Like there are different groups and people talking about it, understanding what they what they are seeing already, listening to them, And even we have uh, consultants and specialists that can help you review your process in your company. And then you can have a lot of insights and and start working from there. Uh, And get the feedback from candidates uh, if you're doing a process and you want to know why they are dropping in the middle of the process or they're refusing the the openings. Because sometimes we have, especially I think in, in startup culture. You have this idea of a lot of pressure, people working hard or late hours and not having the time for other things. And all of that description of workplace being more uh, aggressive and et cetera can make it not welcoming for a lot of people. And what is the image that your company have with the, like the workforce uh, outside your company? Why are they are not interested in your company? And then you can you can start to dissect that and understand what you can do. And you can get into making changes inside the company as well. That would be great, not just to get these people in, uh, but uh, but I think listening, establishing communication, doing changes, getting feedback, and you iterate forever yeah. <laughs> basically. But but that I think it's it's a good way to tackle that. That's basically what I what I brought on the topics.
1: How can you disagree with that? I mean, I think that's a that's a hundred percent true, right? But just to 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 add on that as well, I think it's it's about educating the people uh, who are maybe not aware of what you should do. And I'm not saying that I'm an expert. We we hired a diversity manager very early on. When we were just thirty people to help me with those issues, just to how to make it better, like unconscious bias, those kind of things and topics. We do education about that in, in the organization because like you said, you're not even aware why you're scaring them away if you don't understand it. So, So you need a little bit of Need a little bit of help, like I said. It's great if you have a diverse manager or, or or organizations outside the organization. Uh, lots of lots of good ones. Uh, we're cooperating with like Midlivesval and Jobspronget, where you can get a certain kind of diversity at least. So if you you don't have to know everything yourself.
2: And I think part of the process that you mentioned, you know is uh, with the affinity groups. I think that is something that is so underutilized by most companies. And it's just, it's being participating in those groups and those spaces and those, you know, knowing that they exist, first of all. And second of all, starting to show a real interest in the members of those groups and not just as potential hires, but also as potential customers and people who can also educate you within the company on many things, so advisors. Um, and I think that's sort of the undertapped resource. Um, I think many uh, and you can you know johan, you may you may be different here, but I think especially in traditional companies, many of the HR departments or the recruiters who are out there trying to find people for these managers, trying to give them profiles, they're simply looking in the same places. They're just looking on LinkedIn, or they're just looking on the the major classified website for that country, and they're not thinking about, well, there's this Facebook group for women in technology, or there's this other group for, you know, this other group of people that you know maybe you want to have in you know and they're not thinking about how they can do things differently and um one thing that you know Telia does really well is it participates in the gay pride parades in uh every country they're in and they're very well known for that but they don't really have a huge recruiting outreach affiliated with that yet and that I find as uh, I see as sort of an untapped potential like they, they could be both participating showing their support and you know getting advantages from that and including people more in the company through that process like it could be more of a win-win on both sides um, but I think a lot of companies they'll sponsor events And they'll provide speakers, but they don't then include the people at those events or those uh, groups in their processes as well and reach out to them when they're looking to hire. Um, And I think, you know, sometimes that's because there's different people doing the marketing versus people doing the hiring, and it's just not coordinated. Um, But I think there's a lot of really low-hanging fruits that many companies could take advantage of. Um, to be able to get the more diverse profiles. And I think also some some recruiters are, have their own biases, whether it's a recruiting company unaffiliated with a company or, you know, people within a company, whether they're the hiring managers recruiting directly or, or they're getting help from an HR department. You know, all of us have that, you know, unconscious bias that was mentioned earlier. And having a second person with you to review the cvs or to be in that interview with you who has a very different profile from you as different as you can possibly get will help maybe balance that and and limit how uh close-minded you might inadvertently be when you don't even realize you're being that you know because we all have that issue um, so one of the easiest ways is just to have somebody else there to say, "Yeah, no, this person's great. You're you're undervaluing them. You know, give them a second look." Um, and especially to have somebody who's from the company you're in who understands how the company works to look at it differently can sometimes be a real value add. Nice. I
3: think those are, are very nice additions <laughs> uh, and I think uh, it's it's really we can we can do more uh, and, and you your comment patient uh, about uh, marketing this, this connection between marketing and hiring also reminded me of some some stories that I saw of companies trying to get closer to the affinity groups but just with like a marketing uh, perspective and not really wanting to invest in diversity and then they just do things wrong they don't listen and then the backlash is is also not uh light uh, in a way because the affinity group usually are people that are engaged so they they can see the patterns and they can see a lot of bias happening uh, because they are engaging the subject and then if you go not prepared to be engaged as well, so like I ah, just to I don't know get uh, some material uh, out there, then you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna have reper- reper- repercussions. So I think it's it's a, a great opportunity and a low hanging fruit. But as long as you are ready to commit, or else these people will see that you're not committing. Uh, they can see miles away. <laughs> uh, but I yeah can have. A lot of examples that I saw at this in Brazil of companies trying to, to do things and that were just uh, not very good uh, in the end I think it's it's very easy
1: to uh, talk the talk isn't it but it's more difficult to to walk the walk exactly and I think it, I don't know if it's advice or it's just just a reflection that that I made it's if you're not used to it I also think it's 100 percent true that it's very normal in traditional recruitment to just look at very 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 tight scope uh, but if you try it out with uh, one of the affinity groups or just try and go out of your comfort zone a little bit and then see the end result what happens when you recruit different uh, skills and diversities you see the benefit, and that's when I think most people will become believers.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true, and I, I like your your point earlier. You know, it's I think it's about authenticity. It's just like building your network. Like nobody's going to help you get a job or or present you introduce you to somebody else if you only reach out to them when you're desperate in your job hunting like they people trust people who are authentic and they trust companies that are authentic and so you know like with networking if you give and you participate and you're there and you you know don't always say give me give me give me or you know I'm gonna sell, sell, sell to you, but you have different types of relationship. You give, you ask for advice, you you know, invite them in, you you provide a, a 360 type of relationship and try to build that up in an authentic way. I think that's where you can try you can avoid a lot of this backlash because people know when a company is just trying to sell to them but doesn't really care about them. They and they know when. A company actually does care about them and is interested in their thoughts and opinions and and really sees them as a valuable partner in the, comp- the journey of the company growing and, and developing new products and services and, and who they are as a company um, and it's more about building those partnerships I think and rather than thinking about it as just sales and marketing or just that particular individual need. Um, But granted, again, as you said, Johan, easier said than done, and it takes a lot of time and it takes effort, but ultimately I've seen that that tends to pay off for companies really, really well, Um, but it's it's hard, that's brand building and in a very real way. Um, So yeah. No I think we
0: touched on well you guys touched on some really good things there Um, and I'm actually glad the the kind of topic of reaching out to groups and networking came up Um, I've done a lot of these diversity podcasts and I had the co-founder of a company called Bela on um, and she's a woman called Juliana and basically Bela was set up caught for like immigrant women and non-binary people to help find tech jobs in sweden um obviously it's like a non-for-profit organization but it's kind of like for me if companies are struggling with diversity these are the first place you you would think to go um but whether it's just that it's not known or it's just not a usual stream like you said patients of where you would find potential candidates and potential new headcount maybe that's why they don't do it and then I think on on the networking um, it doesn't even have to be groups that are set up it can be just general networking like we touched on and I know I know Abel Johan the guy you mentioned the diversity manager spoken to him and had him on the podcast before he's a massive advocate of kind of networking in the community to give yourself an opportunity you never know what could happen but knowing more people and having these discussions can bring around so much opportunity around the corner that you don't even know you need right now um so yeah thank you that was a really good kind of skim over those topics so if any if if the listeners take anything from this um i think those would be two good key points there um so yeah johan we'll come on to you and and the final question we've kind of got 10 minutes left and i think this one I, i kind of wanted to keep to the end um because it's a really interesting point of zimpler i know quite a modern company like we mentioned not the traditional um kind of big corporations but yeah how does zimpler juggle keeping a balanced skills for skills and diversity while you're in the recruitment process and looking for people to add to zimpler
1: well, I think it's it's a little bit like what I said in the beginning, uh, you can you can almost it's not either or. it's it's both. And the way that we looked at it when we when we started me and my chief people officer Linda Hoglund, uh, we basically for selfish reason, you could almost say that we wanted to to create the company that we wanted to work for ourselves and in order for that to happen. We both believe uh, that it's very important to to get people and individuals and and personalities with all different kinds of skills and all different kinds of walks of life. Uh, So it was was almost like it was structured unstructured. So when we started recruiting super fast for the first year, it happened automatically uh, because we just came across for the same reasons that we talked about earlier. We wanted the best person for the job to bring something different to the table. Uh, And if we just kept an open mind for that, we didn't, sometimes we met people that we really, really liked and were very different from something that we had within the company. We hired that person just because we really liked the person and we created a job, which a lot of the times weren't even the job that they used to do, but we just knew we needed that person in the company to, to, to help Simpler grow as well. And now that we're a little bit more into it, we've been we've been going at it for a year. We've grown from 35 to 115, which is not a very big company, but it's big percentage-wise. We get the help from Abel, who knows a lot about all these things and can help us structure and be even better at targeting and creating a, a, a much more diverse and much more diverse skill set. I guess you could say as well, right? So that's where we come from. We did it for, for selfish reasons, but just because we also believe uh, that it creates a much better company and and. You need in order for, for us to do this, it's obviously important that we have the. Uh, that it's true for, for the founders that they believe in it, that the board believes in it, that it's a topic on the agenda within the management, uh, which has always been the case. So, so we're looking into it and following it every every month uh doing okay we can always do better
3: i think it connects to what uh was talking about uh authenticity the way he describe do you know, describes uh since you you want to work in a company that looks like that or that is growing that direction then I I imagine the the actions are more authentic and the discussions are more authentic. And then I think it sounds like a a good path forward uh, to having that round since the beginning, right? So 30 people, it's, uh, yeah, I think the smallest amount of people in a company to have uh, a diversity uh, manager to be in the company, actually. So I think that is really interesting. Curious to see how how it keeps growing.
2: Yeah, I think it it sounds very exciting um, and interesting what you guys are doing and hopefully will continue to do. Um, I'm interested in sort of understanding sort of, because some forms of diversity aren't visible. So it may be that you have, uh, you know, a guy who's looks Swedish, acts Swedish, in all intents and purposes, appears to be Swedish, but was actually born and raised in Afghanistan for the first 20 years of his life, but you would never know it. Or, you know, something like that, where you have people who could be incredibly diverse in some way or another, but you don't know it until you've had an in-depth conversation with them. Do you have any tricks for sort of finding that out? You know... Finding out what people's extra advantages, what their extra bonuses that they're bringing, um, that they might not otherwise normally communicate.
1: I don't know about tricks or tips, but I mean the way that we try and do it, and maybe a bit of a cliche, but keep an open mind and the way that we structure the interview. We we don't want to do that as a traditional interview. Uh, we touched on that earlier. That traditional HR, maybe you have a certain set of questions which are, to me, super boring and not very relevant. I much rather talk about other stuff. So we try and keep it light, informal, and relaxed, and talk about different kind of things. Not only work, but interest Is, is what we always ask that: What's your what's your interest? What do you like to do? What kind of companies do you like to do? Those kind of things. And if you, if you keep the in uh, interview without a format almost, you have a higher percentage, I would say, finding out interesting stuff about the person because they're going to open up more. And, and and also it's it's a two-way street, right? So, I mean, I got to share a little bit what I like and and, and and things that I've experienced. And if I do that, then they usually do the same. So I don't have a trick and looking at profiles and stuff, but just when it comes to the conversation, I, I, I just keep it Unstructured and very open—that's uh, how you find out the most
0: about people. I think
2: that's good. Good
0: idea. Yeah, I really like the thought of kind of not not going into an interview with um, kind of a, a pre-planned idea of questioning or just being, like you said, completely open-minded. That—that's a really good good hint and good tip. Um, I think, is anyone kind of want to add any final points to any of the topics we've discussed? No? Okay, perfect. Well, I think for me, the kind of, sitting here listening to you three have this conversation, um, loads and loads and loads of really good ideas, I think. The topic of diversity as a skill and a benefit rather than um, a negative just really shone through the networking, the groups, the the open mindedness are kind of key highlights for me. So, yeah, I just want to take the time and take the opportunity now to say thank you to all three of you for providing your insights into the topic and obviously for the listeners who are also listening to this. So thank you.